This reading is from Acts 11, verses 19 to 30. The believers were scattered by the persecution that began when Stephen was killed. Some of them went as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antinoch. They told the good news in these places, but only to the Jews. Some of these believers were men from Cyprus and Cyrene. When those came from Antinoch, they told them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord was helping these men and a large number of people believed and decided to follow the Lord. When the Church of Jerusalem heard about this, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. When Antinoch, when he went to Antinoch he, and saw how God had blessed the believers there, he was very happy. He encouraged them all, saying, Always be faithful to the Lord. Serve him with all your heart. May more, many more people became followers of the Lord, and then Barnabas went to the city of Trinus, Tarsus, to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antinoch, then stayed there for a whole year. Every time the church came together, Barnabas and Saul met with them and sought many people. It was in Antinoch that the followers of Lord Jesus were called Christ followers for the first time. About the same time, some prophets went from Jerusalem to Antinoch. One of them named Agabus stood up and spoke with the help of the Spirit. He said, a very bad time is coming to the whole world. There will be no food for people to eat. The Lord's followers decided that they would each send as much as they could to help their brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They gathered the money and gave it to Barnabas and Saul, who took it to the elders in Judea. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chris, if you'd like to make your way up. Uh, Chris has come from Holy Trinity. He is a reader there, um, and he is going to come and bring um, God's word to us now. So I'm going to pray for him. Um, I'm going to lay a hand on Chris. If you want to, you might want to stretch your arm out as we pray for him now. Yeah, Father, would you use Chris as your instrument to tell us about you? Would you open our hearts to what he has to say to us this morning? Amen. Amen. Hang on. Well, good morning again. Um, and thank you for the very warm welcome that you've given me over the last two weeks. It's been lovely to be here. Uh, it's nice to worship with another set of Christians in the area um, and from all at Holy Trinity, we send our blessings that God might prosper your ministry here as he prospers our ministry at Holy Trinity. And also, thank you for the reading. 
Excellent. Thank you. Let's just pray. Lord, we pray that you would illuminate our hearts now as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, uh, for those who were here and can remember, I'm now at the age when I almost forget what I've said myself, but um, we looked at Ezekiel's vision of the river flowing from the temple. We saw it as a picture of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, taking God's refreshing blessing into the world. It's also an appropriate picture for us today to think about on the day of Pentecost. As the Holy Spirit fell on the early church and started to move that church to minister to the world, first of all in Jerusalem, then in Samaria, and then to the ends of the world, which includes Duckingfield. God hasn't stopped working. That outworking of what God did is still in progress. And this week, I want to give a very specific example of this outworking of the Holy Spirit by looking at the character of Barnabas in the Acts of the Apostles. One of my heroes, Barnabas is a top man. I would follow Barnabas anywhere. We're going to look at how God worked in his life and through his ministry made a radical impact wherever he went. And along the way, we're going to look at the ministry of encouragement. And what I love about the ministry of encouragement is it's something we can all participate in. We don't need any particular gifts such as preaching or prophecy or prayer. We can all get involved. Every one of us can get involved in this ministry of encouragement. Each day we have an opportunity to impact the lives of others by encouraging them. Encouragement is like the oil in an engine. It makes life go better. It makes things work better. And within the church context, it makes ministry work better. It makes the workplace work better. It makes the home work better when we live in an encouraging environment. For children here, it's a ministry you can do as you play or do things with your friends. It's something we can all get involved in, this ministry of encouragement. And before we get involved in the detail, I want to raise two points about Barnabas. First of all, his name wasn't Barnabas. Bit of a shock, isn't it, that? Barnabas wasn't called Barnabas. Scripture tells us his name was Joseph, and he was from Cyprus. Barnabas was a nickname, meaning son of encouragement. Now, nicknames are strange things. They are often cruel. We had a teacher whose nickname was Killer on account of his over-severe teaching style. Someone else, um, uh, uh, we had a lad in our class who we called, his nickname was Tiny because at the age of 14 he was six foot three. So we called him Tiny. Nicknames are a short, brief way of saying a lot about a person with the minimum number of words. And Barnabas, his nickname was Barnabas the Encourager, because that was his main disposition. Everywhere he went, encouragement came out of him. The second potted description we can find about him is in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 11, where he is described as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. 
Nine words to describe a man's life. Nine words to describe a man's activity or a person's activity. Good, full of the Holy Spirit, and faith. What would be the nine words that would describe you and me? Barnabas, it was lovely, wasn't it? Nine words, that's how you describe him. How would we be described? Why did Barnabas receive this description? What incidents can we point to that made people describe him in that sort of way as the encourager? When we look at the book of Acts, we will find out the various things that Barnabas did. We find a man who is continually receiving from God and allowing the love of God and the life of God to flow to the communities wherever he went. It's a great picture for us to receive from God. We can do nothing of ourselves, but we receive from God. And as we go, as we saw last week, we drip into our communities. And encouragement is a way that we can drip into our communities. So first of all, the guy was committed to whatever he did. We first come across Barnabas in Acts chapter 4, and it says this, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. God was at work in that early church, and the Holy Spirit had prompted the people in a radical venture to share all things in common. As Scripture says, there was no one in need because from time to time someone would come, they would sell some land and give it to the community of the believers. It was like a very early Jewish social service system. It was a prophetic way of telling the people around them and outside of the church something of God's goodness. They were loving to one another. And Barnabas got fully on board with this. He sold a field. He gave the money to the apostles, and it gave it to them to distribute. It was a generous gesture, and it shows us two things about Barnabas. First of all, when it came to getting involved with what the Spirit was doing, Barnabas got involved. The Spirit was calling this fledgling community to a radical demonstration of God's kingdom, and Barnabas went in feet first. Or to use last week's analogy, he jumped straight in the river. Secondly, it showed a significant commitment to the community. Land is not only costly, but land is a capital asset. Once it's gone, it's gone. Barnabas' action was one of more than words. It was a statement of the type of person that he was. So can I ask us, what is God doing amongst us? Where is God calling us to be radical? And as we saw last week, we're not saying big things sometimes. What is God calling us to do that we, we can be radical about, where we can make a difference in our communities? The second instance of Barnabas' life is what I think shows his ministry of reconciliation. You see, one of the most dramatic consequences of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection was it tore down the barriers between Jew and Gentile. Paul, in his epistle to the Ephesians, says this, Jesus himself is our peace. He has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Paul is writing to a church in Ephesus. Now, in the Jewish temple, only Jews could go into the most holy place. 
Gentiles were allowed in the temple, but a wall, a physical wall, separated them from the holy place. But now Paul is explaining figuratively that in Jesus, that wall has come down, and Jew and Gentile are together in Christ. Now, this might not seem like it today in 2022, but this is a first century bombshell. This is something radical happening on planet Earth. Jews who were being taught to separate themselves from Gentiles were now being called to embrace them as fellow believers. A very important aside here. It is one thing to have our doctrine sorted out, but it's another thing to live it in the nitty-gritty of life. And this is an important challenge that was facing that early church. How do they embrace Gentiles? It's also a challenge to us as Christians. How does my Sunday faith have a 24-7 outworking on planet Earth? How do I intentionally live for Jesus in my workplace, in my home, my school, my community, my neighborhood? Back to our reading, we hear of the early church initially preaching the gospel only to Jews. They preached only to Jews. But then some guys from Cyprus and Cyrene came along and preached to Gentiles. In that culture, that was weird enough. We are preaching now to Gentiles. But even more outrageous, and remember we follow an outrageous God, the, Jew, the Gentiles responded to the gospel. Help! Panic! We've now got a church comprising of both Jew and Gentile. People who prior to this would not be seen together. For me, this is the greatest miracle of the church. It's pulling everyone together. The Jew and Gentile are now together. Now, the church headquarters in Jerusalem got wind of this, and they realized that something absolutely extraordinary is going on. Gentiles are coming to faith. Who have we got to sort out this messy situation? Who can hold the Jewish hand? Who can hold the Gentile hand and bring them together? What about Barnabas? What about Barnabas, a Jew raised outside of Jerusalem in Gentile territory of Cyprus? A man fully aware of both cultures. But more than anything, he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of faith. Here in our community, we too face cultural challenges. Society is becoming increasingly fragmented, and Duckingfield is no exception. Ethnically, Duckingfield is the least diverse one of the least diverse towns in Thameside. Yet still, there are 5% of people from a different racial background. But what about those non-ethnic cultures? 18% of people in Duckingfield are over 65 years old. I'm soon to join them. 23% are lone parents. A staggering 34% of people in Duckingfield live on their own. How do we as a church cross these new cultural boundaries? Like Barnabas, how do we hold the hand of people and introduce them to the community of Jesus Christ? 
how do we become those cultural bridge builders in Duckingfield? And my final illustration is Barnabas' call to mission. Along with Paul, he was called to be an ambassador sent out to the Gentile church. Everything was comfortable in Antioch. They were having a prayer meeting. Guess what? We do those as well. They understood that God might sometimes answer. While they were praying, God said this, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. Set apart for the work. What was this work? Well, it was simply to travel around Greece, Turkey, and other parts of Asia. That's quite a distance, actually, by foot. Preaching the gospel, and as we're told elsewhere, to risk their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Barnabas was the perfect choice. He, we've seen already he had this extraordinary cultural bridge-building ability. He was courageous. He was resilient. When Antioch needed people to explain the gospel to them, Barnabas stayed there for a full year to do it. Barnabas could tough it out with the best. Above everything, though. Barnabas was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. So what can we do practically? Ministry has to be intentional. Every day we are going to have numerous interactions with people where we make a choice to either get involved or not get involved. As I always say, if you get involved, something happens. God might do something. If you don't get involved, nothing will happen. We have a choice every day of every interaction with people we make. Can we encourage them? It's simply this. Start each day by saying this, Lord, is there someone I can encourage today? And then when God says, yeah, just go and, then just go and do it. And see where it leads to. The excitement of being led by the Holy Spirit. So to summarize all this, any rugby fans, um, I am a keen fan of rugby union. A rugby mall, a rugby scrum is a sight to behold. It's a pity Stuart's not here, actually, being a Welshman and obviously a big um, rugby fan. A rugby mall is a sight to behold. There are two ways of looking at a rugby mall. One is the stance of the coach. The coach stands on the touchline yelling instructions at what the team should be doing in the mall. It is encouraging. It's also very safe there on the touchline. Another position that I can take is that of the players. They are buried under bodies risking life and limb. Personally, I want to be the coach. I don't really want to be in the mall being buried by people and being kicked and pulled in all directions. I'm not keen to be in the middle of the mall. Barnabas, I can never imagine him yelling advice on the touchline. Barnabas was the guy who got in the mall of life. He got in the 24-7 lives of other people. He got in the place where it sometimes would hurt him. Encouraging in the kingdom of God involves leaving the safety of the touchline and heading straight into the mall. For us, it will require getting involved in the pain, the loss, but also the aspirations of our community. With all its challenges, with all its diversity, as we get involved as ambassadors 
for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have called us to be sent. We are ambassadors. Lord, we pray that today that you would just simply lay on our hearts, who is that one person I can encourage? What is that one act I can do that will demonstrate your love and your kingdom to someone else? And Lord, as we do it repeatedly throughout the weeks and months, as we drip your kingdom, your Holy Spirit's love and goodness into our community, may we see the fruit of your kingdom growing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. I believe it's the notices now. Notices, we're there. <laughs>